You're listening to Metaphoric Metamorphic. I'm your host, Skylar Galloway. Hey, everybody. I wanted to go ahead and welcome you back to um, Metaphoric Metamorphic. And I always like to do a brief introduction right before we start the episode because I feel like if I don't, then nothing really flows very smoothly. So um, I wanted to do a brief introduction. Today's episode is with my cousin Haley, and this was a very emotional conversation. I have not talked with Haley in a while. We used to be pretty close growing up. I would go over to her house, um, her and her sister. I would go over to their house every once in a while and stay the night, and we would play like PlayStation. We'd play Sims and Dance Dance Revolution and you know, play on the computer and play board games and all that good stuff. And it was a really good time every time. And I feel like as we grew up to be adults and we got married and we had kids, you guys all will understand it's so, so hard to keep relationships um, very close, especially when you don't live in the same town. So I'm like, in this conversation, I'm, I'm editing and I'm listening to it and it's just... I'm realizing like how refreshing that it is and that it was while talking to her to just get transparent and talk about the, you know, because whenever we were growing up, we would talk about like personal stuff, but the challenges that a child faces is totally different than the challenges that an adult faces, especially a mother or a wife. And we can both be transparent in this conversation and, you know, really have a heart to heart and it meant a lot to me um just go ahead and grab your tissues (laughs) grab your tissues because if you are a parent especially a mother um or if you're a wife or a female in general this is going to probably make you cry and if it doesn't I'm sorry um (laughs) I don't want to disappoint you um but I'm a crier so I cried and listening to this and editing it it is very emotional for me. It was definitely, um, I want to say a tearjerker, but I did cry. So it, it's more than a tearjerker, but, um, it does get a little bit intense in parts. Um, so go ahead and listen to the trigger warning. I've got some, um, you know, a little bit of like disclaimers and trigger warnings coming up here, but I wanted to talk a little bit before I started the episode so that it would flow better and thanks for sticking around through all my rambling I'm trying to figure out how to do this podcast and make it the best that it can be um, so thank you so much for sticking around I wanted to mention before we get started that there's a little bit of an update I need to um, let you know about as far as what I am doing um, in my life and how it affects the podcast. So I mentioned in the last episode that we had been moving and we were getting settled in the last episode that posted. Um, and this episode, I hope, is the last episode that's going to have uh, on my end, like the cutting out and the signal and Wi-Fi issues. So if you heard, you know, like um, little cuts in the audio or like skips like there was a bad connection error I do apologize for that or any background noise from my children like you just heard my daughter but that's just the way that life is I try my best to be able to cut out a lot of that stuff it's kind of fitting that my daughter would come in here and be cranky and playing whenever I was recording this but I try to cut out a lot of that stuff but sometimes it's unavoidable to leave it in like I have to just leave it in um, so that you can understand what we're saying But it's also real life, and I hope that it doesn't affect you so much that you don't want to listen. But I do appreciate you for being here, and I did just want to give an update on that. 
I would also like to add a disclaimer here that I am not a medical professional. I do not have a um, degree in psychology or any kind of medical anything. I'm not a licensed therapist. However, I have been through a whole lot of things in my life that have um, given me so much knowledge um, about how to cope with a lot of um, mental issues that I have had in my life. And, you know, I say that because I don't want people to take what I say and use it um, for their lives, like complete advice about their exact situation. That's not what this podcast is going to be about. I just want to shed light on these difficult topics to not only make people feel like they're not alone and they have someone there um, that have experienced a similar situation to make them feel better in a sense, even if it's just a little bit, but also to um, spread awareness for people who have not experienced these things to let people know um, that sometimes people, you know, feel like this and it's not something that is super rare Um, and to help people to be more sensitive toward people who uh, have experienced things like this. But I wanted to go ahead and add that disclaimer because a lot of people who are listening may not know me as a person and I just wanted to put that out there. Trigger warning, this episode does include topics such as depression, anxiety, postpartum depression and anxiety, intrusive thoughts, suicidal thoughts, among other topics. If these topics are triggering to you, this episode may not be the right one for you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Metaphoric Metamorphic Podcast. I'm your host, Skylar Galloway, and today I have my cousin Haley as a guest here, and we're going to be talking about... um, a little bit of her mental health struggle. So I wanted to go ahead and bring her on. Haley, how are you? Hi, Skylar. I'm doing pretty good. Um, Right now, I'm actually on a travel assignment. Uh, I'm a travel nurse. I work in the NICU, uh, which is neonatal intensive care unit. And I I've been a nurse for over seven years, but I started traveling last year, and so I'm on a travel assignment right now. Um, I am married to a wonderful man, and we have two beautiful daughters together. Um, they are back at home because of some some therapy and some things that need to be taken care of at home so they can't travel with me. So that's difficult, but all in all things are really good and I'm very blessed. I really love your outlook on that. And I, and I really appreciate you coming on and sharing this. I know um, I tell a lot of the guests that I know it's not something that's easy to, to other people are going to hear it, but even just, you know, people that don't struggle with any kind of mental health, um, I feel like they don't really get that you have to like relive the situation whenever you talk about it, especially if it's still painful or relatively um, still new to, you know, your mind. And so I really appreciate you coming on here and talking about it despite those things. Yeah. I, I really do want to put my story out there just to help other people, because I know one of the things that really supported me 
when I would put little pieces of what I was going through out there and some of my friends would be like, Hey, I've been through it. I'm here. If you need to talk, it really did. It really did help me. So I want to do that for other people. That's really awesome. I mean, like I could cry about it. I say it's awesome, but people like people don't really understand. Like, I really mean that it is awesome. I really, (laughs) I, I, if a lot more people talked about anything mental health related, but especially this particular t- subject that we're going to talk about today, a lot of people would feel less alone and we would probably have less suicides. We would probably yeah. have um, more friends. We would come together and be able to bond over something this intense and emotional yeah. and have better, um, better, tighter friendships because a lot of the friendships that we have are just by association we're not necessarily friends it's like you go to a job and you work there for a few years and you're friends with people some people stay your friends when you leave that job but other Mm -hmm. people are just by association same with high school I have lost so many of my high school friends just because we were we were really only friends by association I hate to say Mm -hmm. that but some (laughs) of my friends from high school are still there and so if we could talk about these things you know and and put them out in the open and let people know that we've been through this it's for you and then our friendships would be so much better and just stronger and closer and we would pick better friends for us if that makes any sense and especially with the power of social media you have so much so many people at your fingertips that you can basically just search a hashtag and somebody use that hashtag (laughs) and then you could probably be their friend I mean really right (laughs) anyway so you've introduced yourself can you tell the audience I feel like a lot more relatable for people if people know like your age because you know they can they can tell like if if they're about your age they could tell mm-hmm. if you have more in common so how old are you uh, are you in your travel assignment and you know things like that sure um so currently I'm 29 years old um I was 25 <laughs> when I had my oldest daughter And then I had my youngest daughter, um, two years later. Um, so 25 and 27, basically when I had my kids, um, I had been married for several years. So, um, my relationship with my husband was really strong and I, and I do credit that as to part of how we got through the struggles that we had, um, was because we, we do have a strong relationship and a strong marriage. Um, so I, I already had my career when, and we already had a house when we started having kids, like we had a plan. Now my second daughter, she was not part of that plan. (laughs) She was a surprise. (laughs) (laughs) So that I think was part of the struggles that we dealt with. And you've always been a planner too, just like yes. me. I would consider yes. us very similar. <laughs> the fact that we want our lives to go a certain way. And of course we know they won't go perfectly to our plan, but that's part of being a type A person is yeah. that you want things to go a certain way and you have this plan. And when something doesn't happen according to plan, you feel like your entire life is just spiraling out of control. Yeah. Even though you know it's not. That's just how it feels. You know, it gives you this anxiety and sense of um, lost control. I have to control everything. I was telling you before we, uh, 
I literally have my, my phone setting to not ever go black and not ever lock because I want to control whenever I lock my phone. Like I'm going mm-hmm. to <laughs> like even down to those things. It's just yeah. craziness. But um, so let's see with that being said, I know um, <clears throat> whenever I would go to your house as a child, and if you guys didn't catch this, Haley is my cousin. So we would visit any, and whenever I would go to your house as a child, I would notice that, you know, you and I'm laughing because you'll remember what I'm talking about. So you and Christina, your sister, shared a room. And yes. Christina's room was always messy. Like, her side was always messy. And your side was always, like, literally pristine. Okay? Yeah. Um, so I'm going to ask, do you think that you had, like, OCD as a teenager and a child? Or is that just... Like, and what classifies somebody as, you know, because we're going to be talking a little bit about OCD mm-hmm. and anxiety mm-hmm. and things like that. So what classifies someone as like, what's, what's the, what's the edge? Like, what's the, what's the point where you are considered OCD? Does that make any right. sense? Yeah, absolutely. It does. So to answer your first question, yes, I do think I have always had OCD tendencies and anxieties stemming back to adolescence. And a big part of that I think was due to my childhood, because like you, I do have childhood trauma. Um, I did suffer from verbal and emotional abuse growing up. Um, So I think a lot of that stems from that, the need to be perfect, the need Mm -hmm. to control things around me, because I couldn't control what was happening to me. Right. And so I do think a lot of that stems from my childhood and I took it with me my entire life. Um, Now, even though I am a medical professional, I am not a psychologist. So I'm just going to put that out there. Um, But with pretty much any mental, mental health disorder, it only becomes a disorder when it negatively affects your ability to live your life. Everybody has periods where they're anxious or depressed, but it doesn't become an actual disorder until it interferes with your ability to live your life. So back then, my anxiety and my OCD, it didn't. It didn't interfere with my ability. I had it under control. I could still live my life the way I wanted to while being those things. It only really became an issue later on in life after I had my second child. And that's actually when I got my diagnosis. Mm -hmm. You know, even though I've been to therapy and, you know, of course you go to therapy for years and you still don't know everything there is to know about mental health. I mean, there's just so much Mm -hmm. stuff that's just ever changing, but I never even... I mean, unless I can't just just can't remember it, I never even was taught, you know, that it's not really like an issue. And that's such a great point, Um, because I do feel like my own personal opinion, I feel like every single person on this planet does struggle with some form of anxiety or depression or something in the mental health world. And that's why I'm such Mm -hmm. a big advocate for therapy is because I feel like therapy should be required before you graduate high school and go out into the real world. Um, Because I feel like everybody struggles. But like you said, if it's not affecting your daily life, then it's not really. 
super, super uh, a great point that I feel like a lot of people need to hear. Um, so going into running with that, um, going into the next topic here, next question. Um, so what, what happened to make the OCD um, start becoming uncontrollable, like an issue? You know, you said after you'd had your second child, that's when the turning point was. So what do you think happened that made it uncontrollable? And tell me a little bit about that part. So um, I think it was honestly an accumulation of a lot of different things um, that all just piled on top of each other and created, I guess, what you could call a perfect storm. Um, And I specifically with OCD, um, oftentimes having children makes it worse. And they honestly don't really know why that is. But it is it has been studied and oftentimes having children makes OCD worse. Um, So I was prepared because my first child was planned and I knew I was like, okay, I'm going to lose control of some things. The house is going to be messy. I'm going to be busy. I'm going to be tired. Like and I made my peace with that. And I had my first child and I was really handling it well. And she was a great baby. She was a wonderful baby, which really was helpful. But then when I unexpectedly and unplanned um, became pregnant, she was 15 months old and I was not ready. I didn't want to be pregnant again. I was still breastfeeding. I was not happy from day one. And I feel so terrible saying this because I don't want my daughter to ever feel like she was unwanted or unloved because that is not the case. I love her so much. I would never change anything. But at the time I, I wasn't ready to have another child. I wasn't ready to be pregnant again. And so it put me down a a negative path from day one and it just got worse from there. Yeah. Um, like we were saying before uh, we got on the recording, I feel like um, sometimes, you know, whenever you have a negative mindset, um, it almost makes things, you know, worse as time goes on. Mm-hmm. Time, it's very hard to have a positive mindset about things. Number one, that are unplanned mm-hmm. when you're a type A person. And mm-hmm. number two, when we come from, a negative, um, negative mindset in our household. And, um, whenever you have that in your household, it becomes your inner voice. And we don't realize as parents that, um, you know, the way that we speak around to ourselves or to our spouses or even to our kids becomes the way that they speak to other people and to themselves and their mindset. Um, but it's, it's so hard, especially when you're like the last episode, um, that I had recorded that hasn't aired yet. I was talking to, one of the guests about how you have to, when you grew up in a traumatic household and when I say traumatic, anything, you know, I mean, it could be the smallest amount of trauma or the largest amount of trauma. Um, you have to, as an adult, reparent yourself. And a lot of people don't understand that even with, you know, um, your mindset, just mm-hmm. having a negative or a positive mindset, you require your brain to actually create um, for yourself. Does that make sense what I'm trying to say? Yes, it does. And it's hard. It's really hard. Yes, because it's like, it takes so much time and you have to literally stop every single thought. I, I go through that every day. You have to 
stop every thought that comes through that's negative and like replace it with a positive thought or you know like scold yourself or not really scold but you know what I'm saying like tell yourself stop you know we can't do that right we got we right. gotta you know be positive but you know, no such thing as an always positive person some you know it's okay to be yeah. upset you know yeah but like we were talking about OCD I got off track there um <clears throat> I have noticed that you know you were saying they say um that it the OCD gets worse whenever you have kids and of course, I don't know. Were they talking about like um, based off of science, like psychologically it gets worse or were they saying like with kids, they're messy. So you have more to clean up and more to feel like mm-hmm. it's out of control. Based off of science and studies, they um, they found that it it gets not always but oftentimes the symptoms of OCD worsen after having kids and they don't really know Mm. why that is. Um, And is that only in females that birth the children or is it also becoming apparent as a male? You know, I am not a hundred percent on that. Um, I'm, I'm really not sure. Um, But I, I will say that I personally don't have a, full blown case of OCD. Um, my diagnosis is anxiety with OCD tendencies. Hey everyone, I just wanted to take a brief break from today's episode to let you know if you haven't heard already from previous episodes. A few weeks ago, I started a Facebook group and um, I'll link it down in the show notes. I'm not sure exactly what it's called. I can't remember. I have a crazy brain right now. But um, it is a mental health community group on Facebook. And the reason why I created this was because I wanted to extend the sense of love and community and support that I've received um, and just felt through doing this podcast. And I wanted to give away for people who have been guests on the podcast or people who want to be guests, or even just people who don't want to be guests on the podcast, but people who have struggled with mental health and want to feel support or um, a sense of community or just have a safe place to go to ask questions or to feel that they're not alone or for whatever reason. I wanted to extend that, not just make it to where that's the way that I felt on the podcast and then it ended, but just have one like dedicated place to be able to talk about those hard things. So if that's something that you think might be beneficial to you, I will put the link in uh, the show notes for that. It's just down below, um, like the description for the episode. And so you can just click that link, request to join, and I will approve you. And I would love to have you on that. But I wanted to just pop in here briefly and let you know about that just in case you have not heard about that. Let's go ahead and get back into the episode. After you had, you said after your second child, um, that's whenever you started um, noticing kind of like a, like a climate situation where um, everything kind of got worse. So what, what started happening for you to notice that things were starting to get worse? So, so um, when, when I was pregnant, I, it was, I mean, it was an average pregnancy. I had morning sickness, had all the, you know, the regular stuff. And I just, like I said before, I wasn't overly excited about having another child unexpectedly 
less than two years apart from my oldest. And um, so the entire pregnancy, it wasn't miserable, but I wasn't nearly as joyous as I had been with my first. And so um, then 2020 happened. COVID-19 happened. So I was pregnant when it all first really came out. Um, I was due in April of 2020. And as we know, the first cases started like around January. Um, Things started shutting down around March. Um, That just added pressure. That added problem. Um, My husband was no longer allowed to go to the appointments with me. And when it was time for her to be born, he was the only one that could be with me. I couldn't have my daughter there to meet her sister. I couldn't have a support system there with me other than him. And so it just really put extra pressure. My daughter had to stay with my parents for like a week because my baby couldn't decide when she wanted to come. I ended up having to be induced and I, and it was just, it wasn't what I wanted and it made me Hmm. that much more, upset and anxious and distressed. And so COVID majorly put a wrench in our lives. So, and that was just the beginning. So I, I had, I had my daughter, it was uncomplicated. She was healthy. Things, things were okay. Um, my other daughter came back home when we got home from the hospital, they, they had a good introduction. There wasn't anything. She even kissed her on the head. It was precious. So, yeah. So things were okay. Um, But very quickly, we noticed that our youngest was crying a lot. A lot. Uh, She was crying a lot. And she wasn't overly like gassy or constipated or refluxy but I literally could not put her down she would scream she would close up her fist turn bright red and just scream and it wasn't one of those oh just let her cry it out no because she would scream herself to sleep she would scream for 30 minutes straight fall asleep out of pure exhaustion for about 10 minutes and then wake up screaming again. Like there was no amount of just let her cry. So she, we, we finally made the, the, I don't even know what to call it, but we came to the conclusion that she had colic after dealing with it for like four to six weeks and it never got better. We were like, she has to have colic. That has to be oh my it. Gosh. And I tried cutting out, I tried cutting out dairy. I was thinking, well, maybe it's a digestive thing. Maybe her tummy hurts. That didn't make a difference. Um, she wasn't on formula at the time. She was strictly breastfed. So it's not like it was a formula thing. Um, but literally mm-hmm. I could not put this baby down. I couldn't. She slept on my chest. And with my first child, she was in the crib. Like, she went to bed in the, cl- in the crib. She slept on her back alone in her crib because I'm a big advocate for safe sleep. And I would get up and nurse her in the night. I slept in my bed with my husband. With, with my second daughter, I slept on the couch. 
with her on my chest because that is all we could do Mm -hmm. to get any kind of rest. And it was awful. Um, And so, so that again was just another piece. So COVID's happening. Everyone's on lockdown. My husband is still having to go to work because he worked an essential job. Um, I'm on maternity leave with a two-year-old and a colicky newborn. And I just don't, I'm finding that I feel miserable. I don't have the energy to cook. I don't have the energy to clean. I don't have the willpower, even if I wanted to, to try to do any of these things. And, and the couple of times where I did feel like, okay, maybe I'll get, no, because the baby would start screaming. Mm-hmm. And so I tried like wearing her and that helped a little bit. It met, it allowed me to at least like make food for my, my oldest and, you know, do a couple of essentials, but I couldn't do that for, she wasn't pleased with that for more than 30 minutes at a time. And, um, so wearing her was only a very, very temporary solution. And so as the weeks turned into months, I just got more and more depressed. And then the the growing mess and the fact that like I wasn't making dinner and the house was a wreck and I wasn't playing with my oldest and I just... I felt, I felt like a bad mother. I felt like a bad wife. I, and the, and the feelings of depression and hopelessness continued to get worse and worse and worse. And, um, her colic lasted until she was nine months old, which is longer than the average. Yeah. The average is four months and hers lasted until she was nine months. And on top of everything else, the the political climate with my husband's job was bad. I was scared for his life. I was scared that he would go to work one day and not come back. And that compounded on everything else. And then my oldest daughter started showing signs of being on the spectrum. And she was not speaking. She was not verbal. And at this point, she was two years old. And so we started taking her to therapy and we started taking her to appointments. And all of these things, my childhood trauma, my already existent anxiety and OCD, my husband's job, my job as a nurse, that's stressful. Um, COVID, my daughter's um, medical issues, my youngest being unplanned and then having colic, all of these things just, just turned into, like I said before, like a perfect storm. And my mental state just continued to degrade as the time passed. And me and my husband... Um, we didn't have time to go on dates. We didn't have time to spend time alone, to be intimate. 
to have quality time together. Um, so our relationship was starting to fray. We were getting to arguments. My husband felt like I didn't, that I didn't love him as much, like something had changed. And I was like, no, it's not you, it's me. And so I was constantly feeling like, oh, he's, he's had it with me. He's going to want a divorce. He's going to leave me. I'm a terrible mother. I can't even take care of my kids. And then I got to a point where my daughter would just be screaming and she had been fed. She had been changed. I, and I just didn't know what to do. And I started, I was like at the end of my rope and I started having thoughts that I just wanted to shove her, like push her away from me or slap her. And I started mm, having intrusive thoughts. Yes. And, and it was horrible because it just made me feel so much worse. Cause I was like, she's a baby. She can't help this. She, mm-hmm. but it didn't help the fact that I was so frustrated and I was so upset that I was having these feelings and having these thoughts. And I didn't tell my husband for a long time because I thought he would think I was a monster and he would want to, mm-hmm. he would want to take my daughters cause he thought that I was unsafe, you know? Um, so I didn't even tell him about it for a while. And I was just dealing with this myself. Um, so at that point I did start therapy and, um, I went, I had two different therapists. My first therapist, although a very sweet, wonderful person did not help me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. She, and I will say that you have to find the right therapist because they're exactly. Yes. And even though it's not saying that they don't have the right skills. It's just almost like a puzzle. You have to fit together. You and your therapist have to work as a, as a unit for therapy to be beneficial. And my, my first therapist was not. And so when I switched about a little over a month, um, I switched to a different therapist and we worked a lot better. And I started feeling some hope that maybe I could, start getting these coping mechanisms and figuring things out. Um, But I continued to go to therapy for several more months, but my mind state was not really improving. Um, I started making errors at work. Luckily, I never, I never hurt anybody. I never made an error that caused anything like really bad to happen, but I was making errors that I had never made in the previous five years of my nursing at that job. And I ended up having to have a heart to heart with my manager because I was like, this is what I'm going through. And she said, it sounds like you just have too much on your plate right now. And I was like, well, that's, that's really is the case. And so they actually we're going to mandate therapy for me. (laughs) And I told him I was already in therapy. And um, at that point I was trying to avoid being medicated because I Mm -hmm. felt like if I had to be medicated, it meant there was something really wrong with me. And I really was hoping that I could just go to therapy and I could get some, some, 
coping mechanisms and I could fight through it and I could just be better. But as time passed, I found out that 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 wasn't going to work for me. And there is no shame in taking medication. It's if you had a heart problem and you had to take medication for your heart or your blood pressure, there's no shame in that. And it's the same for your mental health. If you have to take medication for anxiety or depression or whatever, it's there. It's not that you're lesser of a person. It just means that your body is not working the way it needs to work and you need to take medication to help. But it took me a long time and my daughter was born in April and in January of the next year, I, I still wasn't on medication. Therapy really wasn't doing much for me. And at this point, like I said, I was having struggles at work. My relationship with my husband was struggling and I was so forgetful. I couldn't remember anything because I was just in a fog and the intrusive thoughts were continuing. And the thing that finally, finally snapped me out and made me realize I need, like, I need real help. Like I need to find somebody. I had visited um, my grandparents, your great grandparents. And it was just me. My husband was working and I went to, to leave and my aunt put my oldest in her car seat, but she was like, Oh, I don't know how this thing works. I was like, it's fine. I'll, I'll buckle her in. And I was buckling in my youngest. Well, literally in like the minute that it took me to buckle in my youngest, I had forgotten that my oldest hadn't been buckled in. And I got in the car and I got on the highway and I was driving back home and I realized like it clicked with me because I glanced in the rear view and I saw both the girls had fallen asleep, but I saw my oldest head was at a really strange angle. And I was like, Oh my God, I didn't buckle her in. So I immediately pulled over and I got, and I got out and I woke her up buckling her back up but I just lost it. I started bawling because I was like, if I had had a car accident, my baby would have died because of me. So at that point, I called the doctor and I said, I told him what was going on and they took it seriously. And they got me an appointment to see a psychiatrist. And I got into the psychiatrist. And of course, they told me, you know, if there's any like major issues you need to go to the ER blah 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 and mm-hmm. at that time I still wasn't 100% candid with them because I was afraid if I told them that I had suicidal yeah. thoughts or that I had thoughts of harming my child that they were kind of like how what you had said that they were going to put me in a straitjacket and lock me right. up and yeah and so that's the not have to be scared to say things like that because we can't fully get the help that we need if we are afraid to be completely honest and that's terrible It really is because people freak out. They have this elevated reaction and we're like, oh my gosh, I shouldn't have told you instantly. So sorry, go ahead. I just had to say that. No, no, you're fine. Yeah. What you said in that other podcast, that's exactly how I felt. I felt like if they knew that they'd throw me away and that 
they would say I was a danger to my family and I was so scared. So I didn't tell them. And, um, so finally when I went to see the psychiatrist, it was February of the following year. It had been almost a year since I'd had my daughter and I told her everything and she, and so I got my official diagnosis, which the therapist was suspecting. She said the exact same thing, but then the, the psychiatrist officially diagnosed me with a case of postpartum depression with existing anxiety and OCD tendencies. And I was prescribed medication and, um, after I started taking the medication, obviously it wasn't like immediate, right? but over time as the medication developed in my system and we kept going up, we got to a certain level to where things actually got better. And I felt like I was me again because I didn't even feel like I was me anymore. I, I really, as a mother... You know, and a lot of people listening, I feel like, and you'll, you'll empathize with this situation, but if you're not a mother, then I feel like you, you can't really fully understand the weight that you have to carry as a mother, especially in the South, um, where, you know, a lot of the times, even if the mom and dad are both working full-time jobs, it is like automatically assume that the mother is going to take care of all the cooking and all the cleaning and all the household things. And if you have a really, um, you know, you have a husband that carries some of that weight too. That's really great. But some of us don't have that. And I'm not saying Michael wasn't like that, but I'm saying like, um, you feel as a woman, or at least I do, even if I'm also working, that it's my responsibility to take care of all this stuff, whether it is or not. And especially whenever you're like type A like us and you're like, you know, you want all this clean and you want it to look a certain way and you want it to be a certain way. And then mm-hmm. I notice myself starts getting, you know, messy in the least. I start feeling very um, reactive to even the smallest things that have nothing to do with the mess. Um, yes. And so I have to maintain because if I don't maintain, then, you know, number one, the whole house will just be a tornado. And number two, I will just start getting more and more and more reactive and angry um, and take things out on, you know, my husband or my children in, you know, like if they, if I'm overwhelmed or overstimulated, I'm very um, quick to, you know, snap at people. Yes, and then I, I start feeling negative. negative. Yes. And so I, I feel like, you know, um, people who don't have kids may not understand, but I'm trying to make them understand um, if there are people that don't have kids that are listening, but if you're a mother, the weight is so overwhelming. And of course, um, as long as you're maintaining your household or, you know, cleaning and cooking and everything that needs to be done, all the appointments and all the this, that, and the others that your kids need. And, you know, when you're a good mom, you, you think about all those things. And so, you know, Haley, you should be very, um, very aware that you are a wonderful mother. If you were not a wonderful mother, you would not be thinking about those things and you wouldn't care about all of those things. And it wouldn't bother you as much that those things were, were not being done. Um, and my psychiatrist said the exact same thing. She said, <laughs> you are a good mother because you 
if you weren't a good mother, you wouldn't have cared. <laughs> you so, wouldn't have, yeah, you wouldn't you. be there. I thank you. Um, I appreciate that. And second of all, um, you know, I understand so much that, you know, you were saying you felt like you couldn't tell the doctor or you felt like you couldn't tell your husband because, you know, the intrusive thoughts, you didn't want him to think, oh, you're a monster. I'm leaving you. You're going to harm our kids. I can't leave them with you. You know, like that you were not. Yeah. And, you know, I totally get that you, you feel like you can't even tell your husband or your therapist. So why would you tell someone like me? But, um, I, I would love to have been there for you, COVID or not. Um, and I feel like I don't blame you for not, for not asking for help from people. And you may have asked for help from, you know, your parents or grandma and grandpa or something. And I don't blame you for not asking for help from, you know, me or other people that are kind of out family but I just feel like if I would have known I literally would have come to your house and cleaned it I mean (laughs) whether I have three children or two children or no children because at the time I um I was pregnant with Harley and I had her in November of 2020 so whether I was you know six eight nine months pregnant or not um I would have found somewhere for the kids to go and I feel like a lot of people just to say anything to anybody because number one you know like we were saying they don't want people to think that they're a monster and number two they don't want to be a burden on anyone else because they know that other people have families and things going on in their life but there are some people out there like me who I would literally bend over backwards for somebody that's struggling with their Mm -hmm. mental health so if this ever happens Mm -hmm. to you again please reach out I will literally hire a babysitter and pay money for my kids so that I can come over there and clean your house or watch your children or run errands I mean, I, it just breaks my heart that there are people out there who struggle in silence. And, but at the same time, I have to say over and over again, I understand why you wouldn't want to tell anyone. Definitely not blaming you for not telling people, yeah. but it, it just breaks my heart. So that was something else I wanted to say. <clears throat> I'm kind of going through my list here. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. And as far as the, um, health um a lot of people I feel like you know of course like you had said we're not licensed therapists we don't have degrees in psychology or anything um but just from our own personal experiences I feel like a lot of people um they don't understand that there is an actual chemical imbalance going on in our brains whenever we are feeling this intense of um mental struggles Mm -hmm. Yes, but um, so there is no way, in my personal opinion, I think that there is not a way when you're this intensely struggling to make it out with therapy alone. And there is um, because your mental your mental state won't change. You know what I'm saying? And maybe it will for some people. But I personally believe that, you know, the, the turning point for you, of course, was trying to change some brain so that your mental state could change and that you could respond well for therapy or to therapy you know what I'm saying so Mm -hmm. um a lot of people though they've seen like I have where people will get on medications and it will change them in a bad way or um they will overtake their medication um not prescribed to them or they will forget they won't even do it on purpose they'll just forget that they already took Mm -hmm. it and then they'll take it again and that stuff can be either addicting 
so sluggish and groggy, depending on what you're taking, that you yeah. could crash your car or kill someone by, you know, I mean, if you're a nurse, you know, you could kill someone taking medications, you know, yeah. but as long as you're taking the right ones for you prescribed like they're supposed to, even if you have to set an alarm or have someone else give you your medication, like your spouse, and, you know, you're, like I said, you're taking the right one and you're responding well to it mentally, then I don't see that there's an issue with it. It's just that people get so, oh, you have to be medicated, you know, and they think automatically that you're going to become like this other person that they knew in their life who overtakes their medication or who was changed as a person by taking medication or, like you said, that's confirmation that there's something wrong with us. We don't want there to be something wrong with us, but we couldn't, um, we couldn't deny if our leg was broken and we had a cast on, you know, and so I I would like to change that. I really would like to change that. Mental health is health. It is, you know, and, and just because you have an issue with your mental health does not make you quote crazy unquote. And I spent so many years of my life. Yes. I spent so many years of my life just feeling like I had to, um, have like I, my opinion was shaped by others opinions around me that were important to me or family members or somebody that I looked up to. And anytime Mm -hmm. that anybody serious mental health issue, they were labeled as crazy or nuts or insane, or we don't want anything to do with that person. And I totally get where they would say things like that because they don't understand, you know, they don't understand what's going on. But a lot of the times if those people would have gotten help, hold on just a second, go cupcake. Um, But if those people would have gotten help from the start, then they would not have ended up the way that they are. Right. And so, but we are scared. We're scared that we're going to be like those people because we have to take medication or we have to go to therapy. But at the same time, if we don't take medication or go to therapy, then we are not taking care of ourselves and in turn, Mm -hmm. not taking care of our families. So, you know, I would like for people to stop thinking that way about people with mental health issues, even people, people with minor health issues, minor mental health issues, or people with mental health are, um, that have been there for a long time to the point where they are abusing their medication or they are what people would define as crazy, um, but I'm very passionate about that. Sorry if I got off on a tangent. No, no, those are just things that I, yeah, those are just things that I wrote down. Um, but I didn't, I, I didn't know that you were struggling that bad. And grandma and grandpa had said something about, um, that you were having some postpartum depression and they were just going over there to help every once in a while. And, um, you know, I feel guilty for not like reaching out, but I just didn't think about it. Like, it's, I, I really no, just didn't think about. Yeah. Yeah. There's no reason to feel guilty. Cause I did keep it very close because I had all the, cause yes, there is such a stigma, such a stigma. And my grandparents, my grandmother can attest to my daughter having colic because she was, yes. she would scream and there was nothing they could do. And they were like, is she in pain? What's going on? And I was like, mm-hmm. is she just has colic and she will scream. And that is just what she does. And so even when they came over just so that we could like go buy groceries or so I could take a shower, she would scream pretty much the whole time. Like it didn't matter that they were there. And so I didn't even, they wanted to help even more, but I was like, 
I felt like there was no point. Like I was making them come over so that my daughter could scream, you know, like, mm-hmm. and so that was another reason why I wasn't reaching out is because I felt like there was no point. I felt like nobody could help me. And also right. when I told my parents about um, cleaning the house and just how much anxiety I was having to me, I mean, I might've gotten this wrong, but to me, it felt like they were just like, Oh yeah, you know, two young kids, it's hard. You know, they, I just feel like they, cause of course my parents had me and my sister very close together, same situation. So, but we were both neurotypical. Um, we had no colic. We had no, we were not on the spectrum. We were, I, I'm going to say quote unquote normal and quote unquote healthy. So I still don't think they understood what I was going through and I was trying to explain to them, but I feel like they were just like, you just gotta do it. You know, you just gotta, yeah. you'll be tired and think in the house will be messy, but you just gotta deal with it. You know, yeah. I just don't think Almost they really. Like- yeah, almost like invalidation, you know, yes. even though they didn't really mean to be that way. Yeah, I'm sure they wanted exactly. to help you kind of dismissing your feelings, even yes. though, like I said, they is it. And that's another exactly. thing that I feel like people need to be more conscious about is just making sure that when you have a loved one reaching out to you, they're trusting you with these feelings and, you know, they need someone to talk to. And it's very important. I've learned this in therapy, which is very hard because you have to reparent yourself and learn to remember to say these things. But it's very important when you're talking to someone about their mental health or their feelings that you kind of first start with telling them that you you care so much about their feelings and their feelings are so important. And it, but if they can't help you to try to, you know, find a way to help you, you know, mm-hmm. um, because we think we leave the conversation thinking that they didn't care or that they didn't understand and we feel misunderstood and we feel like we don't have anyone. Yeah. Yeah. And I, so yeah, I didn't. And my, and also some family, we haven't told a lot of people about our daughter being on the spectrum because a lot of them are dismissive of that as well. They say, Oh no, she, they automatically think that we're saying that she's, stupid or that she's mentally challenged and like that's not what we're saying and so they're like no she's she's smart she'll talk when she wants to talk and it's like no you don't understand that is not people always think they always think that we're saying that the kid is autistic kids are so smart it's yes we're not saying that they're so smart. This, this, the amount of knowledge that they have has nothing yes. to do with autism. Yes. You know, yeah, she has a processing think... disorder. She's right. not unintelligent. And it's not just a, oh, she just doesn't want to talk. Like, no, she has an actual problem processing information and forming words. Like, and they just, my family didn't understand that. The people that I shared, they didn't understand. And so that didn't help either. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure, um, you know, you felt very alone in all of that. Um, but, you know, I just, looking back, of course, you're like, you can be more positive about the situation looking back and you can talk about it um, without just, you know, completely breaking 
Um, and you can see, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. But you're right. In the moment, it's like your entire world is falling apart, and you have no control over the thoughts that you that you're having. And you know, you had said having suicidal thoughts and um, the intrusive thoughts. And um, I just, I just feel like you did an amazing job in the situation that you were given. You did everything that that you should have done. Um, because number one, you're, you are the only one who knows your thoughts. And unless you tell everyone every thought you have, which is impossible, you know, you're the one that has to step up and say, Hey, I need help. And you did that. Um, yes, of course it took a while for you to be on medication, but that's because we were taught that it was wrong or that it wasn't needed or that, you mm-hmm. know, um, medication was bad or that it made you, um, the, uh, what do you call it? The <clears throat> confirmation that you are crazy, you know, mm-hmm. um, which I hate that word now looking back, I've used it so many mm-hmm. times, you know, in my childhood, because that's what everyone else said was yeah. that people that had mental health issues were crazy. But now yeah. looking back, I would like to never, ever use that word again, seriously talking about people. But yeah. like I said, um, you know, I, I just hope that you realize how strong that you um, you know, this is literally, it's amazing that you are on a podcast um, talking about this when it's such a hard topic to talk about and it's not talked about enough. And there's so many other people out there who have probably dealt with a very similar situation as you or maybe are right now. And they're hearing this or they should hear this. And I always like to say this and you may have heard me say this before but I firmly firmly very seriously believe that um, God gives his toughest battles to his strongest soldiers and we talked about this before um, me and you did before the recording started that you know um, both of us are religious people we are both Christians you know um, I know some people out there may not be Christians or may not be religious but this is just what we talking to Haley here today I know she believes this you know, I, I really think that um, you were put through this situation for a reason. And I believe everything happens for a reason. And God gave this situation to you specifically so that you could, number one, realize how strong you are. Realize that you are a wonderful, wonderful mother. And So you could come on the podcast or so you could share on your social media or so you could be there for your friend who's struggling for, you know, with the similar situation. So you could share your story and help other people to know that there's hope, that there's other people have dealt with this. They are not abnormal or crazy just because they have intrusive thoughts or suicidal thoughts or, you know, any of the diagnoses or situations that or emotions that we talked about today. Mm -hmm. Um, It's so important. There's so much power your story and I'm so proud of you for number one stepping out and being like there's something wrong I need to go to the doctor or I need to go to therapy and number two for choosing life and number three for choosing to share a difficult part in your life to the public when who knows who's going to hear it and there are people out there who could have relied on this you know this could be their saving grace something that we said today could have been the thing that made you know, step off the, the dam or, um, 
you know, decide not to go through with it, you know? So I just, Um, I get so emotional because I don't think people understand how, how important that it is to share when you feel like you are able. Yeah. And, and thank you for, um, for those words and for giving us a platform to share our stories, to help other people. I know I didn't really talk about my suicidal thoughts all that much. I had them. I never, I never formed a plan. I would just, in my darkest moments, I would think I wouldn't have to feel this way if I, if I were gone, I wouldn't have to deal with this. If I were gone, I wouldn't, all of my problems would be over if I were gone. And I would sometimes think about like being in my car and just turning it and crashing or yes, I, I do have a gun and I know people criticize it's for personal protection, but I thought about that a couple of times, but the thing that always pulled me back in those moments was my babies are just babies. And they need their mother. And I may not be the best mother, but I am their mother and they need me. And so that's what kept me, kept me going. And I know some people in their, when they're really, really in their darkest moments, they really don't feel like they have any value to anyone, but that's not true. It's, it's just, it's just the mind playing tricks on you Mm -hmm. because we're all important and we're all valuable and there is someone out there who loves us and cares about us always and so it's not the answer just get help find somebody ask somebody tell somebody because that's not the answer and I I'll I say right now I feel more whole and more myself than I did even before I had my postpartum depression. Like the, the anxiety and the OCD, it's still there, but it feels more a part of me than it ever even did growing up. Like when I was in college, now it feels just like I can, I have those those wants, those needs, those desires, but I can say, it's okay. It's fine. It'll get done. It'll happen. Whereas before that, that was not the case. And so I feel better now that I've gone to the doctor and gotten help and gotten medication and gone to therapy than I did even before I realized I had a problem. So I, there is, like you've said, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Things will get better. It's just really hard in the moment. Yes. And that's something that I, um, like I said, I'm a very, very big. And when you go through your childhood, excuse me, sorry. Uh, when you go through your childhood and you're not going to therapy or there's this stigma around mental health and we're not supposed to talk about it or our parents or grandparents or family members or friends don't really believe that that's an issue and that that's a thing. Because I've heard people say it's all in your head that it's not real. But mm-hmm. when you when you first start going to therapy and <clears throat> you start learning about all of the 
you are the way that you are and the science behind it, that there's proof that mental illness is real, um, then you start accepting those parts of you and realizing that, um, number one, those parts of you, your depression, your anxiety and OCD tendencies, whatever, um, those are not what defines you. That's not the only thing that you are. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's not what people see when they look at you. And so much beauty in healing and so much beauty in knowledge of mental health um, that I really believe that everyone should be able to experience. Um, So I feel like, you know, the therapy was definitely a big helper for you to, like you said, you feel more like yourself now than you did then. I'm really glad that you... Um, that you brought that up because that you explained how I feel now myself after going to therapy. And I don't think that I would feel that way if I had not gone to therapy because I wouldn't understand any of it. I would fight it. I would just fight Mm -hmm. all of my mental health struggles and not, now I'm accepting myself and giving myself grace and realizing that I am more than just those things, you know, definitely. I was going to ask you, um, and Harley's tugging all over me. I hope you can't hear her really good, but, um, if there was anything else that you wanted to say, um, to someone who was struggling in that moment, um, but you kind of gave, you know, gave advice to listeners and I thought that was really great, but, um, now, I mean, is there anything else that you wanted to say to anyone or, I mean, was that? Was that what you would have said? If I could go back and relive those moments, I wouldn't, I wouldn't undo my daughter being born. I wouldn't undo my oldest being on the spectrum because that is who she is. That is a part of her. Um, Just like someone not being on the spectrum is who they are. Um, What I would change is, I would seek help sooner. I would have told my husband sooner about the struggles that I was going through because after it was all said and done and I did get my help and I did get better, I found out that he also was going through mental health struggles, but neither of us told each other. And, and he had the exact same feelings he said he thought that I was going to divorce him and I was going to leave him and that I didn't love him anymore and I was having those exact same feelings but just the opposite and so if we Uh if we had talked about all of that sooner and and sought help sooner that's really the only thing I would change if I could go back and redo it because my family is beautiful the way they are And now I really would just say, get help as soon as you realize that there is a problem. As soon as you realize, hey, this isn't me. This isn't how I am. And don't be afraid to talk to somebody and to get help because the people who love you will understand and they're not going to think those things. He, my husband does not think I'm a terrible mother. He doesn't think I'm a monster. If anything, he says that because I, I dealt with all those things. He thinks that I'm a wonderful mother and I'm the best mother. And so, so yeah, I mean, 
I know we always think the worst things about ourselves, but we really do because the other people that we think the things they're going to think about us, they, they don't, they, they care about us and they want what's best for us. And so we just need to put ourselves out there and just reach out and try to get help Um, because the sooner the better because struggling with our problems doesn't help anybody. And if anything, it can lead to a bad outcome. So so yeah, I think that's <laughs> that's about it for me. Well, I I think that that is wonderful advice, and like I said, um, hearing it from someone <clears throat> who's been through it, you know, you telling your actual story is so much different than me just saying, you know, get help. When I haven't I haven't been through the like the major you know postpartum stuff, and so here perspective and another person's voice and not just mine um is just so uplifting so um I really appreciate you coming on here and I hope that you um got something out of this and that it was therapeutic for you um it was definitely therapeutic for me like I I feel every single time that I do an episode I feel so much more connected to the person that I'm talking to because I understand that they are like me in a way, you know, that we are all in this together and that we all struggle and that we're not alone. So yeah. I hope that you feel that way and that other people listening feel that way. And I'm sure they do. And just, you know, remember, like you said, that um, you you are not what your brain thinks. And I just think that you are awesome. I really do. Especially <laughs> I, I already thought that, As, you know, you're the you're the older cousin that everybody, you know, looks up to that's younger than you. And I now I'm like, wow, look at how strong she is. I don't know that I could even make it through a situation like that. I could just cry all day about it. So anyways, I appreciate you for coming on and um, I hope you have a great day. Um, is there Thank anything you. else that you want to say or any other questions that you have? Uh, I don't think so. Other than just thank you again. Thank you for letting me share my story and for creating this platform so that people can help other people. Um, Cause I mean, the fact that you said you've interviewed people that you don't even know just goes to show that you are reaching people and people are hearing it and they're getting something out of it. So I think that's a great thing. Thank you so much for saying that. Oh, oh my gosh. I'm so emotional. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, be safe out there in your travel assignment so I can get these babies fed and, and to be calm again. <clears throat> right. Thank you so much. You have a good day. Thank you. You too. Love you. Love you so much. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. And thank you, Haley, again, for coming on the podcast. I cannot express how grateful that I am for you and for all of the other guests that have come onto this podcast for your bravery and strength and willingness to come on and share your story with the potential to help others despite the challenges that sharing your story can bring. 
And um, I also wanted to remind you, go ahead and check out the links in the description box below in the show notes, whatever you want to call it. Um, and check out that Facebook group. If you're on Facebook and you're looking for a place where you feel safe to express your feelings or where you can get encouragement from people who are like you, go ahead and check out that Facebook group. I would love to have you on there. And as usual, I hope that you do something nice for yourself today. I'll see you next Monday.